Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, a Honda HRV Advanced Style Special Edition. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. The Advanced Style. So what what is this, Alan, that you are telling us about today? First of all, there was the Joy Machine. Funky Beast segment SUV, which was all square and one of the first kind of soft rotors that came about. Mm-hmm. Then there was a gap. Then there was the forgotten Duke Rival second generation. And now there is the third generation Honda HRV. That's what we're talking about today. And instead of being little funky BSUV, three door and five door thing, this is a Mazda, I'm going to say Mazda CX 30 sized. Mm-hmm. For want of a better reference, because I parked beside one at one point and they were the same size. Oh, okay. It's a good comparison. And it's a CSUV coupe thing. Okay. It's a five door, but it pretends to have three doors because coupe. Yes. Well, that's obviously sexier. Yes. Well, there's only available as a 1.5 litre hybrid with a CVT gearbox and it pumps out a whopping 131 metric horses but uh pretty stonking 253 newton meters of the torques okay that's fab off the line but by the time you're at 60 it it's paling a bit so it's 10.6 seconds to 60 miles an hour i assume it has a top speed i actually <laughs> didn't i i wrote that in the notes and thinking i'll go look up the top speed and then i have negated to go look up the top speed but it's it's adequately cruisy and and pretty quiet so It'll be somewhere around 100, I'm sure. Okay. I would be surprised if it was that much more. The range has three models in it, all of them the same. Uh, well, all of them very similar, to be perfectly honest. But all of them the same body, all of them the same wheels with different amounts of colouring in, mm-hmm. and all of it with the same drivetrain and power output. Okay. So it's a WLTP-tastic, in other words. We only have to pass one model. <laughs> possibly two because one of them has roof rails oh Uh, okay so um it starts at twenty six thousand nine hundred and sixty pounds for the elegance passes through the advance at twenty nine thousand two hundred and ten and reaches thirty one thousand six hundred and sixty pounds for the advance style tested here Uh, all of that assumes you want the sand khaki pearl two-tone paint which is standard oh okay there are other colors right for which you have to pay so sand khaki by the way is metallic beige right it's not funky milly mill green or anything it's metallic beige um you can also have midnight blue beam metallic which is dark blue for 595 pounds that's the interesting color okay it's dark blue and that's the interesting color (laughs) you can have crystal black pearl two-tone which is black Uh, again 595 quid meteoroid gray metallic two-tone which is metallic gray for 550 squid and premium sunlight white pearl two-tone which is metallic white for 750 pounds ouch mm. God, that's, that's oh up and down with the prices there it is so the tesco i had was the premium sunlight white pearl two-tone which yeah we'll talk about that a little bit more i think when we're talking about the exterior okay there are also three packs of stick-on bits <laughs> they are dealer fit accessories <laughs> You can have the Ilmenite Titanium Exterior Pack, which is mirror covers and light decorations, for £595. There is also an accompanying interior one as well, which is a similar amount of money, but I don't really understand what for. You can have the Obscura Black Pack, which includes a front grille, including the style emblem, 
a front lower decoration, a rear lower decoration, a fog light decoration, and a tailgate spoiler extension for £1,820 fitted. And the last one I have accidentally copied and pasted over the name, but it is the Sport Pack, which is a front sport bumper, front grille including style emblem, a rear decoration, uh, side lower decorations, and a tailgate spoiler extension, which costs you £2,250 for some sticky on plastic bits. Wow. Okay. Stuck on. I have no idea why you would order any of those. So let's move on. <laughs> so how much was the car then that you tested? Car I tested was £32,410. So it was the Style Advance with the white paint. Okay, dog. Currently, they're on offer with five years of servicing included. Okay. A £500 deposit contribution and 5% APR finance. Right. Up to and over many years, etc., etc., can configure over the standard i think it was showing four years ten thousand a year it was coming at 289 pounds a month with a almost eight grand deposit which i guess for the market seems pretty reasonable i imagine it's not going to be that expensive to insure either Mm -hmm. okay so this is a new look this is a distinctly new look from the last generation do you want to talk us through it yeah yeah i mean really the only thing it shares with the last generation is the name okay (laughs) however According to Honda and according to their press back, it embodies the brand's new simple, clean, modern design philosophy. And it has a sleek silhouette achieved by reducing the roof height over the previous model. It has an increased wheel and tyre to body ratio, creating a confident stance. It has a crisp horizontal shoulder line, generating a sense of forward momentum. And it has aerodynamic efficiencies achieved without compromising design simplicity. There are a lot of buzzwords in there. I feel slightly ill reading them out. But really, all you need to know is this is a family-sized coupe SUV thingy, and it is as gawky as it sounds. Whenever you're having to use words and language like that as bullet points on an A4 page, then it's probably got quite a lot to explain. As far as I'm concerned, the nose is too long and too flat. The rear overhang's too short. The wheels are too... They're 18 inches, and they look tiny. They've, they've got sort of MG-itis in the... The rest of the body is, is at one scale, and the wheels are at another scale. Well, I think looking at your photographs, the black trim on the wheel arches makes it look as though those wheel arches are, are huge, are and, even the, and bigger. the tyre is tiny. And it's pseudo-cladding as well. And the trouble is, it's gloss finish. Mm. So uh, it will actually scratch worse than the paint would have done that would have been there and be harder to repair, which kind of defeats the point of having any kind of cladding. Mm. What else? The door mirrors are just big and odd. You would expect, you know, we're going for error, we're going for small, uh, and we're going for sleek and coupe-like, and then you seem to have pulled them off a pickup truck and slapped them into the side of the door, and they just look really out of place. And the thing is, I wouldn't mind if they gave really, really good rearward visibility, but I, I didn't find that they were any better than, say, normal mirrors no oh, okay they were just a bit bit weird the, the other things i mean it goes on this the, the advanced style comes with orange lines on the sills which are nice they're fine they sort of inset into the pseudo cladding and that's cool but then there's this badge sort of it's sort of a badge i don't know it took me a while to notice it there's three lines in the grill and it's not really a grill, by the way. As you might have noticed, the sport pack and the other middle pack black pack come with a grill what you actually get here is a kind of Hannibal Lecter mask with like slots punched in it. So it's not really a grill. And they're the same colour as the paint of the rest of the bodywork. It is all the same. It's all the same piece. It's all part of that front bumper. That looks to me very much like 
we designed this as an EV. It, yeah. And we we know we need to break up the the front a little bit and remind people, you know, and let people not be frightened that it, this is too far the future because it's still got a grill. Well, yes, but then you look at all the rest of the design decisions and you think, why bother? But in there, there are these red, white, blue lines over on the right-hand side, the, the passenger side, when you're sitting in it. And they're just there and they don't tie into anything. And I don't understand what they're symbolizing because they're on all the models. Mm. So it's just it's just odd. The, the whole thing about the outside of this is there is different. I don't mind different. I, yeah. You know, I've owned an Isuzu vehicle. You positively celebrate different, let's be fair. Yeah, and it's it can be, and different can be weird, and weird can be good, but weird can also just be plain odd. And I find that the outside of this is is really very odd. I mean, what, what I will say is, and again, I haven't seen one myself. Uh, I'm only going via your pictures and the press back stuff. But they do seem to be at least trying to keep a consistent front end Look, what, making everything look odd with it's it's similar esque with the the Civic, with the way the lights are and the way the the bonnet comes down and all that sort of stuff. The lights are another fun one, a, a little bit in that it looks odd. Yes, it's like the Civic. I, I don't really completely agree with you there. Okay, but there's another thing with the lights. So the front, the headlights, by the way, are quite smart. I quite like them, and they're very very good. And they're on the advanced style. They've got adaptive led steering stuff which is a bit on or off but you know it does it it, it works and if you're in the dark and you're at a junction it's quite good it, it illuminates the way you turn the steering wheel and the lights are really good but then it's as if uh, th they had two competing design concepts for the front lights and they went well we like both of these so let's put one on the front and one on the back because the back lights are all are completely colourless mm. when they're off. And then there's this big sticky-outy Honda badge in the middle. And you think, oh, that must be the boot release and the handle. No, it's just a big sticky-outy Honda badge lump thing, which would look fine on the nose. Oh, it doesn't sort of like flip up and have the camera or something help helpful like that underneath it? No, 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 no. The camera and the, um, and the boot release are all in the bit above the number plate. Oh, okay. So it's a bit weird. It's as if they were like, okay, we've got two nose designs. Let's stick one on the back. They haven't thought through pedestrian safety reversing. <laughs> the camera is very good and very clear. There are reversing sensors. And trust me, we'll get to this. This thing senses things around it. Okay. <laughs> Whether it needs to or not. The white paint I mentioned earlier on, by the way. Mm. In daylight, it looks appliancey. Mm. But... At night, when you park under or near a street lamp, the way it is, the way it casts shadows on the body, by the way, at night under a street light is about the only time the styling works. Okay. And you actually look, the paint in particular, because there's a street light outside my house, as, as Andrew's aware, and it shines, half of it shines onto my drive. And this was at the very top of the drive because there were two other cars. And anytime I was in the kitchen and I kind of glanced out the bay window, I... You would see the paint, and the paint really shone. The paint was fantastic quality. Mm -hmm. And it really shone, and it looked bleeding good. It's just, if you're driving the car in the day, it doesn't look nearly as nice. <laughs> so you need a nice, <laughs> yeah. either a really good streetlight or yeah. a stunning summer's day. Uh, I'm not even sure on the stunning summer's day. Okay. Maybe, golden, maybe golden hour will catch it just fine. 
If you'd always drive in dark or golden hour, you're probably going to be fine. Yeah, it was weird. It was like all of a sudden it looked from all the stuff up above. It then you looked and you went, well, it almost makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it was really, and that was the only situation which I found out. Anyway, we're going to talk about that. So I don't think the exterior was the was the primary focus for this car. I think the interior was. So, and it was clearly designed from the inside out. So, can we talk about the interior instead, please? Okay. Good. In the traditional motoring podcast fashion, we shall start from the rear. Boot is large. It's it's really pretty big, actually. It's more than large. It's big. Well, you know why that is? And this is something I was going to... I just forgot to mention then. It's a fastback shape. That coupe thing, looking mm. at that rear photograph that you have that you took, it's very much a, a fastbacky shape. So the boot should be really actually deceptively good. And low it is. Mm. It's very large. In, in theory, by the way, on, on the active style... You can trigger the tailgate by waving your foot underneath. I never tested it because I always forgot <laughs> and just pressed the button because it's less frustrating uh, on most cars. So it didn't, it, it, I don't know, that and like voice commands for cars, unless it's working through your telephone, I'd never bother with because they just don't work. Mm. So you, you could do that. Opens nice and high, electric tailgate. Luggage cover is a sort of lightweight fabric job intended to keep prying eyes out yep. and it's attached to the tailgate as well that's similar to the civic yeah 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 as soon as it opens you have completely clear entry into the boot you don't have to then move something else as well yeah i think that's a really clever bit of design that that honda have got there very neat it's super lightweight you're never going to put anything on it no but it doesn't encourage you to either by the virtue of the fact that when you open the boot's not there yeah boot has a partial undercroft at the very the sort of back foot self-contained it is all finished so it's all sort of lined in hard plastic great i imagine for wet wellies mostly vertical things just bits and pieces that you're going to carry in the back of the car really good under there on the underside of that lifting floor panel as well there's kind of orange it's like an elastic bungee string which is weaved back and forth Mm -hmm. between bits and it has a little toggle so you can tighten it up you can either use it for just holding things or put slip things inside really neat really good really really good there's only one curry hook on one side it's molded in so it's not flippy outy or in any way high tech but and here's another thing about this which is really good it has bright white led lamps one at either side of the boot oh. so you can see <laughs> what you're putting in what you're moving around you get a really good illuminated kind of workspace mm. it's clearly thought through and works really really well it is about this time of year that with these, these little details get hammered home how good they are or not <laughs> It's the stuff, you know, there's a big difference between testing driving cars at this time of year uh, compared to, to in the depths in the middle of the summer. So stuff like the headlamps become more important. Yeah. The boot lights become more important. The interior illumination becomes more important. It, it's quite strange. I was thinking about this just the other day. And I only had this for two days, by the way. So this was not the full, the full week. Mm-hmm. This was two days during the working week. So I was kind of squeezing in and trying to get a good use of it. Hence, it had to be in the evening mostly so i was discovering all these kinds of things mm-hmm. rear seat fold 60 40 and it's really really nice to see clever rear seat folding mechanisms again so <laughs> often nowadays you just flump the back down and you get what you get and it's normally at an angle not very good these as you fold the back seat squab lowers 
itself and folds forward into the footwell, meaning you end up with a completely flat level floor. Nice. That might be important to you. You could even use it as a bed. It was very long, very, you know, as I say, flat and level. Perfect. And that didn't require any fancy shift this, turn this, bend this. No, you, you reached in with one hand, you pulled up the little lever, you gave it a bit of a push, and it went floop down and and it worked that is the official noise of folding rear seats that was great i think that's me covered the boot space in the kind of detail that only we do rear seats a flat bench for about two and three quarter people barely a transmission hump at all obviously you sit quite high because there's batteries and all sorts of stuff and plenty of leg room plenty of headroom even with the coupe styling even the coupe styling it was also quite light and airy back there because on every single model, privacy rear glass, pimpin rear glass is £995 extra from, from Honda. Wow. Yeah. Go somewhere independent. Or don't bother. Or don't bother. It's up to you. Rear seat passengers also get two fresh air vents, two USB-A charging points, and a cubby in the back of the front divider. Worth mentioning, because not many people review the seatback mat pockets these days, not only do they have the big pocket for whatever it is people put in them now that they don't carry maps around, they also have, on the sort of inner side, they've got an extra little sub-pocket, which is just the right size for a phone or a device or something. So you can tuck your phone in so it just pokes out a little bit. Oh, nice. And it's not going to get lost down in the bottom of in the mat pocket because it's it's complete. It's not mesh or anything. Oh, that's good. Nice little touch. Another nice little touch. The interior and the exterior of this car could easily be two different cars. You can tell, I think, <laughs> from this review, that not a fan of the outside. Inside's lovely. So the other thing is the doors have many cubbies. There is one up at the top, just kind of in front of the door handle, mm. near the B pillar, the front edge, which you think that's going to be perfect for holding a can of Coke or similar. Other soft drinks are available. Uh, and then you look, and then there's a little icon molded into the plastic, which is like, this is not a drinks holder, which means that there aren't really any drinks holders in the back. So is it for your pet bonsai that you take with you then? Yes, yes. You could put a, a small a small potted cactus. Might be just fine in there. <laughs> it's a shape. There's no other rear cup holders or bottle holders in uh, in the back. So, okay. so, yeah, which is a bit of a shame. I think it was probably meant to be a cup holder, and then they discovered it didn't work very well as a cup holder. Ah, okay. That's just a whiff I get. Another thing about illumination in the car, by the way. So in the front, there's a kind of dome light with matte reading lights in it. In the back, where normally you get a weak three-watt bulb or something, yes. there are actually two downlighters. My word. That would make getting a child into a seat so much easier this time of year. Uh-huh. Or finding stuff mm-hmm. in the back of the car and making sure you haven't left things on the seat or anything like that. Again, super bright really nicely done a little architectural detail which was just kind of cool that was really nice and really noticeable as as a a cool thing up front seats are lightly bolstered really supportive easy to adjust easy to find a really good driving position steering wheels good size and comfy it is kind of covered in indecipherable buttons not all of them i used or pressed and some of them i had to use and press as we'll talk about a bit later so then they all kind of feel the same they're not good buttons but the steering wheels are nice size the rim is a nice thickness all these kind of things that matter really to me mm-hmm. uh drives binnacle 40 percent physical speedo 60 percent screen middle 20 percent is a lot squeezed into a small space so it shows which 
I've written gears here, which drive where the drive selector is. Yeah. Uh, so part reverse neutral drive b for extra braking. Fuel level, outside temperature, speed again, mileage, drive mode, cruise control, whether it's detected a lane, whether there's a view ahead in in an active cruise, and that sort of miasma of information is there all the time. As well as a line which gets bigger the greener you are and the smaller the the more aggressive and and less eco you're driving. Which, by the way, is the sum total of of the gamification, which to me is pretty damn disappointing. The company (laughs) that came up with with the original insight, you could make a little plant grow uh, and sort of pretty much was one of the first to implement gamification of driving economically. I need more gamification here. I want a little display at the end that tells me how economically I've been driving. Alan um, needs a, targets, a percentage. People. I need targets. Yeah, yeah. I, it, I have to say, though, your picture of the binnacle, the important bits that you really want to be able to see at a glance, like the speed in the dial, that's incredibly clear and easy to read. And obviously, Honda do like to have a digital speedo uh, there as well. Which also, by that. the way, is incredibly clear and easy to read. So you could quite easily could do, survive yes. with one or t'other. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's the sort of major major text in that. Whereas stuff like external temperature, when you think, "Gosh, it's getting a bit chilly out here. I wonder how cold it is." Mm. You know, as a way of of monitoring road temperatures and and stuff is kind of hidden right down at the very bottom left, uh, and it's sort of a bit bit tricky to see. So it could be better used. I think there, the left you could show trip computer, pile charge dial, power flow graphics, loads of other stuff. However, you could also it would also show you lots of things you didn't choose it to show you, uh, which was which is annoying. One really nice touch though is that if you're using CarPlay for directions rather than the built-in setup, uh, which was just fine as well. I just don't like leaving a log of all the places I've been in press cars. Then it would actually show the directions as you approach the junction. So from like a mile away, it would then fill in the middle of that dial with uh, a repetition of the CarPlay. Oh, nice. Direction's really nice. I think that's the first time I've seen that. It was just nice. It was really nicely done, actually. Mm -hmm. Middle screen with physical volume home and back buttons on the right side, so right-hand drive screen. Screen worked well. It was easy to navigate and use. The only, which, by the way, this is a Honda Screen worked well, easy to navigate and use. Let's make sure that everybody understands the significance of those remarks. <laughs> the only thing that would catch me out was the back button. I kept expecting it to be in the top left, as it generally is on things, whereas it was a physical button outside the screen up to the top right. But, hey, that's a thing you'll get used to. I only had the car for two days, so I didn't get a chance to get used to it, mm-hmm. uh, whilst also trying to press as many buttons as I could. <laughs> Uh, ventilation, heated seats, uh, and heated screen buttons were all below. Pair of USB charging points, 12-volt charging socket as well, either side of a small slippy tray, for which I have no use because... And you think, oh, well, that's a good place to put your phone, and then you realize that the wireless charging pad is below that, and actually that's probably a better place to put your phone, <laughs> given that it will charge whilst it's sitting in there. Weird thing about that, it shows an amber light to show that it's charging and working, and a green light to show that there's nothing in there. Oh. Which okay. is a bit odd. It's not just, helpful. Just, just weird. Yeah. Quick question, though. Uh, was the CarPlay a wireless CarPlay? Yes. Right, okay. So that, that makes it so much easier to use that Qi charger then. Yes, it did. Um, the wireless CarPlay, it did take, it could take up to a couple of minutes to actually connect. Okay to your phone sometimes it was like oh this is the phone there i can't see a phone i can't see a phone i can't oh there's your phone and you were like halfway down the road by that point which is a bit, a bit 
irritating. Uh, one button, by the way, I do like to see, particularly as I've been doing more evening driving, is the button on the left-hand side of the the central uh, the, the binnacle where you can brighten and darken. Yeah, the, it's a sort of um, rheostat for the. Um, it's not a physical rheostat, uh, but it, it and it works on both the binnacle and the screen at the same time. That's great. That's a because big I got thing. in, it was very very bright, mm. and so I dimmed it down, and everything dimmed, and it worked really nicely. Thank you for reminding me about that. Yeah, no, that's a good touch. And other car makers, please learn from that. <laughs> there was only one issue with that in that the start in that that's where the start button is on my cars, <laughs> and the start button on this one is on the other side. Yeah. Oh, nice, uh, nice startup graphic and noise and sound chime, by the way goes along and it gives a little heartbeat in it. and it goes bring and it was quite a nice sort of bringing noise okay it was just nice sorry the last time i had a civic type r there was absolutely no startup animation whatsoever and it was completely lifeless this actually has more interesting startup animation than the, than the civic type r i had last which was another car i loved to pieces but for <laughs> all the opposite reasons <laughs> so back from there gear selector and then a drive mode selector, so sport, uh, normal, and eco. I didn't even try eco, to be honest. It just seemed to turn things more green, because normal, everything was green already. Uh, and sport, then something's turned red. Okay. We'll talk more about that uh, whenever we're talking about driving. Oh, uh, and then cup holders, a small cubby under the armrest. The thing I missed out from that, which I remembered earlier on, is it also has hill descent control. Oh, okay. Which moves it up the soft rotor scale from marshmallow to about poached egg, I think. <laughs> still still kind of at the squishy end but it does have hill descent control only available two-wheel drive which i haven't said so yeah special positive word by the way for the air vents okay air vents they had a lovely little knurled knob knurled metal well, metal effect uh knob which meant that you could have them off mm -hmm. you could have them on okay and you could have them at a diffuse setting which outside of the the adjustable bitty, yeah. the adjustable little grill, as as in the traditional styley, uh, there is a little L shaped bit around the outside of the the edges of the dashboard, and it then sort of wafts the air through that instead of it being a jet. So mm -hmm. you're getting fresh air, but not in a why am I sitting in a hurricane? Yeah, it's not blasting uh, type at you. way. Not Directly. blasting. Vent ventilation system, by the way, set it at the at the my my traditional twenty one and a half first time i got in the car and that's where it stayed i don't even remember hearing the fan okay. spooling up or anything like that it was it just it just kept the car at a comfortable temperature i also had heated Good. steering wheel which even though it dipped down to towards freezing I, I never felt the need to turn on and also cloth and synthetic leather pleather seats mm -hmm. were really nice uh gray herringbone cloth and then sort of cream leather effect stuff on the, the bolsters and on the backs and on bits of the dash. I wasn't, the, the leatherette didn't feel great, but the cloth felt really good. Of course, it's then warmer in the middle of the seat, so you don't really need the heated seats with, with cloth seats. Okay. Um, I do feel they're a bit excessive. The dash looked better than it felt. Um, it was quite nice, the pale, the light, interior with the with the mid gray was very nice 
incredibly relaxing both during the day and at night it was just really nice mm-hmm. as i said dash looked better it was mazda dashes are better i mean i'm not saying it's like there's some hard plastics and there's scratch 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 on the top of the dashboard because everybody touches the top of the dashboard and everything it just wasn't as good as say a, a, a mazda for, for for similar money was it was it the something we have mentioned in the past with Hondas, where there is a plethora of different materials for some unknown reason across the dash, or was um, it fairly fairly no. consistent and also sensible? It was consistent and sensible and nice, okay. apart from the rubber gear selector knob. The, the, the what rubber? Rubber, yeah, which is just plastic. Just, just sort of squishy plastic. It actually felt, you know, it could have been taken off a garden tractor. Oh. Really, really weird. Everything else was so nice. And he put that, and it's just like, what's this? What's, what, what's this from? The last time I used something like that, it was actually in a, in a wheeled loading shovel. Oh, and it was the, the, the lever. It was the lever for, you know, working the, work the, front, the front arms and bucket. Mm. and it was that kind of finish which obviously Ooh. it's going to be used for thousands and thousands of hours of having a hand rubbed against it and so it's completely understandable and you go oh that's quite nice in there when new completely out of place in this in the rest of this really nice interior totally just odd okay strange strange material decision by somebody i'm sure it's the kind of thing that will get swapped out the first facelift but right okay all right so uh we know now the exterior, which was a bit confusing and not as put together as in a as a concept as one would hope. Dog's dinner. The interior, however, has helped rescue slightly because that is a nicer place to be, and there is very clever thoughts gone into certain bits. It's rescued a lot. It's not just rescued slightly. It's rescued a lot because it's a very nice place to be. Okay, so now you're in there. And you mm. start it up by pressing on the right-hand side instead of the left. Yeah. What's it like to drive? It's got a great driving position, a nice steering wheel. The mirrors are fine, if ugly. And the all-round visibility over your shoulder, uh, even out the back window through the rearview mirror, is all really, really good. Okay. That Arc Royal bonnet of <laughs> flat oddness <laughs> means you can see exactly where the front extremities of the car are. Okay. There's no guesswork at knowing where the nose is. Uh, and so from inside, it makes perfect sense. Right. It's very good. You could use it. You know, it means that in town, in parking spaces, anywhere, you knew exactly where the front extremities of the car were. It's one of those times when something like that looks plain weird from the outside. But once you're inside and driving, it makes a lot of sense. Okay. Ride and handling, minimum body roll, the ride solid rather than firm, certainly not uncomfortable at all. Okay, good. And it it can you know, you can you can set it up for a long sweeping corner on a on a on an a, a single carriageway A road and and the body is quite happy. You can pitch it into a roundabout with a little bit of pace. Again, not a problem at all. Uh, the C V T doesn't get doesn't get fussed or confused it's a little bit mooey if you if you're trying to accelerate hard uh, mm-hmm. in normal but you know what it's and it's all very very pleasant really good uh and enjoyable engine is a bit puny but the torque from the electric motor means you don't really notice okay it is actually from a standstill it was really keen to spin its tires oh 
okay. moving out of junctions, which caught me out a couple of times in a sort of hooligany way, uh, which I didn't really didn't really mean. I meant to be brisk rather than wheel spin. Um, so that was that I'm was rubbing unusual. off on you. Uh, it was yeah, very much an Andrew move. There's no spring in the CVT, by the way. Okay. It just it would just kind of go. The sport mode, uh, it doesn't revert to EV mode as, as quickly, if at all, unless you're kind of at a standstill, I guess. Uh, and it synthesizes shifts. What it also seems to do is synthesize the engine note as well. Oh. It cannot have been real. Okay. That does point. that drown out a mooing? It does, actually. In its, in its, yes, in its defense, it does. And it does, but it sounds like a flipping Formula One engine. It's going, Oh, okay. I, I, you know the thing is i'm not even sure if the cvt was synthesizing the shift or if i was just led to believe that by the sound ah okay because you've been programmed that much yeah in life i think <laughs> I, I want to hate that but actually it's quite clever and quite cool okay i, I didn't like the fact that it, it kept holding it would hold a certain level of revs which i felt was a bit high so i i tended to stick to, to to normal i don't even think i tried eco uh, under normal i was i forgot to check my final miles per gallon because he couldn't configure it to show that and the whether it's charging or you're using many many powers meter at the same time it was showing about 48 and a half the last time i checked it, it should hopefully have gone up and hit about 50 uh, after that but that was that was all all pretty good okay that seems decent yeah it's a shame you only get to enjoy it for about 20 seconds at a time. This car has the most irritating and intrusive assistance, and inverted commas there, uh, system I have ever, ever encountered. Uh, okay. It took me three minutes before I first swore at it. Oh, that's not a good start. On longer trips to Leicester at back, at one point I caught myself whacking my hand off the steering wheel and giving it the full malcolm tucker it was driving <laughs> me bats and this is so are these assistances that are uh set to default on whenever you start so up? euro ncap rules and stuff mean that in order to get them as part of your part of your rating and you need them as part of your rating because they actually make up quite a lot of the rating these days they have to come on at startup in many cars that's that's not an issue i try as a general rule to leave the assistance systems on on press cars i believe they are an important part of the review yep in many cars you can turn off lane keeping assist for example by pressing down by holding down uh, a button often on or near the steering wheel for about 15 seconds and it turns off and that's fine if you're on country lanes so majority of this test i took the took the car from here in corby to costco in sison at the north edge of leicester that takes me nice road to uppingham out towards uh towards central leicester and then it takes me cross country for five or six miles on narrow dual lane a roads to okay. sort of dodge round and not have to deal with downtown leicester yes it's it's a good route it's actually one that i should use more often for for this kind of thing but it involves a, a lot of different roads and it's the kind of roads where sometimes the markings, sometimes there aren't and it's quite narrow so it's the kind of timeline you would want to turn that off i mean on motorways on uh, clear major a roads i i leave these things turned on because actually they work quite well generally mm -hmm. they work well. this one is just unbelievably sensitive and 
and silly at the same time. So right. it's a challenge around here. The Corby speed pumps. Uh, Andrew, quite often, WRC pictures get re of Yaris WRC in the air, get retweeted by Andrew quite many weekends of the year. Uh, because there are many speed pumps around here. Now that we have it. And they are quite and they're all different. They're all horrible, but and and they are quite aggressive. But there are three of them across a road that is single carriageway each way. And so you have a choice. You you generally have to choose the outside one. You straddle that, mm. and you ignore the middle one, and the car coming the other way straddles the other one. Not in this car, you don't, because oh every time you try to avoid it, it then drives you over the speed hump. Oh. If you're on narrow two-lane roads uh, in the countryside and there's a car coming the other way, the thing can't decide whether it wants to drive you into the oncoming car because it's decided you're too close to the edge of the road, which it may or may not have detected, or whether it wants to slam on the, the, the braking system and warn you that there is a vehicle coming the other way as if you can't see it because of its headlamps and the fact that it is coming the other way. And you have already moved across the road to accommodate it, which the car has then tried to undo. Hmm. You can't turn any, it's too difficult to turn this off. I try, turned, and this, by the way, was the sensitivity turned right down as well, because, because to turn off, and this is the bit that I forgot that I was telling you, to turn off the setting, you have to find the button, and this took me a while the first time, with the little picture of the car with the circle around it, down by your right knee. And then you have to use the, the little scroll wheel on the left-hand side of the steering wheel to select one or more of the functions individually and untick them. And then you have to find the back button, which is sort of somewhere on the steering wheel, but not the back button for the central screen, because that's in the middle, to then get out of that to then restore what was on the screen in the car, on the binnacle screen. Mm. There's a certain amount of, okay, I could ignore that. What I found very difficult when driving in the dark was to ignore the two inch by one inch white box that appeared to say, we've moved you back into the middle of the road again. Oh. And then sometimes, if it's suddenly coming the other way, it gives you an orange box as well. As so well. we saw a car was coming the other way. It's like, yes, I know there's a car coming the other way. I was avoiding it before you stepped in. And I was just a total, just, just such a mess and so annoying. And the, the other classic was driving slowly along my road, the road in which I live. Uh, which is relatively narrow shared space uh, and van coming the other way so i was quite far over there was a, a wheelie bin sitting on the curby pavementy bit someone the end of someone's driveway oh my god there's a wheelie bin <laughs> and I, I swear i was doing less than five miles an hour i was just like what the heck is your problem and it drove this drove me crazy it's the stage where had I had another journey to do, if I'd had the car for longer, I would have left the press car on my drive and taken one of my own. Oh, okay. That's that's quite an endorsement. Now, <laughs> now, I had a kind of stressful week last week. Maybe I was already a bit pre-stressed for this. I am prepared to concede that. That this filled the page of my general underlying anger a negativity last week because that can happen you can you can have a car that's otherwise very good but you're in a cruddy mood so you hate it, mm -hmm. it it's what happens it, it happens it's it's well known i've, I've read everything in clarkson down say, saying this you know your your mood can affect it so it's possible that that added to my general anger and rage at this 
However, that notwithstanding, this was annoying and bad. Yeah, that doesn't sound good. It, it That sounds like it would catastrophically fail the Andrew well, one yeah. road test. How often do I scoff at you and go, yeah. oh, God, it's just you. All these, you always complain about the assistance systems. I never have an issue with them. And it's yeah. true, I don't. And that's something which, which hopefully, listeners, you will take into account is the fact that I don't normally have an issue with these systems. I leave them on. I don't normally touch them. I don't turn the sensitivity down. I leave them at standard. And I'm normally really happy with them. Mm-hmm. I certainly don't normally have the collision warning one going nuts at me. Mm. Even when turned down. So, yes. yes. If you'll excuse me, I'm off to remind myself of that mindfulness at the wheel special edition I yes sounds, sounds like you needed that. <laughs> actually actually ended up yes yes I, I did end up playing that but what's most frustrating about that is that if it wasn't for that really nice thing to drive mm. oh the other one the other one the other one is if you're on a roads smooth a roads wide clear making some progress and you can see the curves and so what you do is you set up the steering so you don't so you're not making steering inputs every 10 seconds yeah yeah or every couple of seconds, you're not jerk, 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 jerk. No, no, this car wants you to do that because after 10 seconds of just resting your hand on the wheel, having set it for the trajectory you wish, it's going to give you the big orange box of irritation again Ugh. because it says your hands aren't on the wheel. Well, I have to and say, both this of them does were. not fill me full of confidence that the L3 system they claim they have sold 100 cars with will be <laughs> great. Okay, that's that's pretty poor. Right. So anyway. Okay. Other technology that doesn't involve hopefully sending you into a towering rage. The Honda Nav and Infotainment is was really good. Stereo cool. was good. There were many speakers, many woofers and tweeters all over the car. None of it branded. So it wasn't oh, as right. if it was saying it was by Bose or Harman or any of these things. I'm sure it was developed by them, but there was no branding at all to to, to say who it was by. It was really good. It took a while to boot up in the morning. Wireless CarPlay worked fine. Could be slow to pair again in the morning as as the whole thing was booting up. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's as bad as that. Driving tech was heinous. You know that by now. Uh, I think we've covered that one. Yes. There was one other weird piece of UI, uh, which I don't know. I shouldn't put it here. I should put it in the, the cabin bit. Flappy paddles for the, um, for the regen levels. So a normal hybrid that you have multiple levels of regen you can select. Yep. Worked fine. Mark 1 Ionic Star, so there was no sort of automatic regen setting. That's kind of worked via the brake pedal, I guess. But it was a weird thing that the side giving more regen was marked minus, and the side giving less regen was marked plus. I can't really work out the logic. I don't know. It's as if it was synonymous with gears, but it's not. It's synonymous to braking. So kind of just weird piece of UI, which someone somewhere didn't really think through. That said, it worked just fine. Okay. Uh, there was only one thing, which was that you couldn't sort of rehold the less regen paddle mm. to then unset it. You had to go click, 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 because we're fine. Oh, okay. But it yeah. worked really nicely. It did work well. So that was the one other piece of tech. The hybrid tech, by the way, not quite as good as the new Yaris or the Corolla, I would say, but not bad. Okay. Not in true and again not intrusive in normal mode plenty of time running on ev which is what i like to see in a non-plug-in e hybrid yeah 
I, I, I want to see that. I want to see that you're you, that you're charging and making use of regen. Definitely doing all of that without being intrusive. So from that tech, driveline tech, really pretty good. Really cool. Pretty good. Right then, uh, and I'm bracing myself here slightly. What what's the verdict? <laughs> If you didn't have to look at the outside of this thing... And remember, we, we've we had a couple of cars recently where I have pointed out the outsidedness, and you said to me, oh, don't worry about that, you're in it. doesn't worry. Yeah, okay. Humble pie. <laughs> yeah, which is fine. You know, and that's, that's a matter of personal taste. Yep. Okay? The inside is a lovely place to be, lovely place to sit, full of really clever details mm-hmm. that I really, really like. And it's nice to drive when it leaves you in peace to actually enjoy it. Okay. And that's also maddening. But because of that, that tech, now maybe I was using it wrong. Maybe I was doing, and please, you know, PRs, whoever else, get in touch, let me know. But the, but it's not something I normally have an issue with. Go figure. I, I couldn't really recommend one of these to anyone. I would say go buy a CX-30 master cx30 uh, if you're really interested in the hybrid side and could cope with something a little smaller than a chr hybrid side and a bit bigger than then probably hyundai tucson around the same price bracket the rav falls a bit behind there's new offers from psa that are sort of suv coupe things there's a new c4 just come out mm-hmm. if you've got a bit more budget than the audis things like that go look at those i i think i mean by all means go look at this if you like the outside of it Try it. Try it and see if any revisions come along to sort out that that assistance tech mm. um, because there's something up with that. Not a joy machine for me. No. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I wanted to like it too. That's the thing. Well, it, it on paper, it sounds like it, it could be very mm. Alan-y vehicle, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. And Yes, exactly. It's only when you start moving down the road that it, that, that falls apart. Okay. Well, that's a shame. It is. It is. Anyway, folks, don't forget that between now and next time, you can give us any feedback, share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget to leave a review and rate on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, uh, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to get in touch with you personally, what's the best way for them to do that? To get in touch with me, it's best to use Twitter as ever, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. We'll be back before very long. Until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring. There's something I forgot to say. Okay. You can add as an addendum if you want. See how many people listen. Is... This car would actually look really cool. This was me in the shower this morning. Look really cool, slammed, and on a set of aftermarket JDM wheels. So if you had a pair of Works or uh, Watanabe's uh, in quite a large size, drift car style wheels, and with more offset, and you slammed it, it could look really cool, actually, the more I think about it. And a big spoiler on the back, and then it could look awesome.